0: We have churches today that believe in replacement theology, that God has replaced the nation of Israel. But just as Paul interrupts his train of thought in verse 1, and we'll pick it up back in verse 14, and we have this parenthetical section here in chapter 3, God has interrupted his work with Israel to have this dispensation of grace, a time where all who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, whether Jew or Gentile. And that's where we're at today.
1: Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: Paul, in this third chapter, begins to unveil the mystery of Christ. Now, on Wednesday when I was throwing together the bulletin and I was planning out how much I was going to get to while I was teaching. Part of me just says I want to spend only two weeks in the third chapter of Ephesians, and then we're moving on. And by the time uh, I was studying Friday, I realized we're going to spend three weeks in the book of Ephesians, and then we're moving on. And by the time we're over, it might be four weeks. But, you know, we're going to get through this. Well, this week and next week, we're going to be talking about the mystery of Christ. And the whole beginning of Ephesus, chapters 1 through 3, is just talking about these heavenly revelations that the Lord has set aside for those of us who have believed. We get to chapter 4, there's going to be a transition, and from 4 to 6, we're going to learn how we should live as believers, how we're going to take the operation of the Holy Spirit and apply it into our life. But Before Paul wrote the how-tos, he wanted us to know just where we sit as far as our place and our position in Christ Jesus. We are in a glorious place. There's no reason to be glum. There's no reason to be, oh no, we'll never make it. Because even if this flesh doesn't make it, as Job said, in my flesh my eyes will see the Lord. He talks about his death, but then he says in his flesh, my eyes will see the Lord. He's talking about that life that is to come through Christ Jesus. It's the hope and glory, which we'll read a verse of Scripture that refers to that today. And so he begins to talk about the mystery in verses 2 through 13. Uh, We'll uncover this mystery over the next two weeks. Today, we're going to look at the mystery of Christ from verses 1 through 7. Now, a mystery is is simply, well, I think of a mystery, I think of maybe a good book, a movie, a TV show, you know, you want a good crime drama where you can't figure out, I hate it, when I can figure out the ending of the movie and figure out who was the guilty person, who was the, well, if it was a thief, who was the thief, or if it was a, a murderer who actually did the killing and... You know, I like to be surprised. I liked at the end of a movie, a good movie to me is one where I didn't see that coming. You know, it was a mystery and they held it all the way through. And we think of a mystery, we think of something that is mysterious to us. We don't quite understand it. And there are some mysteries that are in this world for real. There are some that have been written to us. But when we come to scripture, the Bible describes a mystery, an entirely different thing than what I imagine a mystery as a. As far as Scripture is concerned, a mystery, according to the Word of God, is a truth that is beyond human comprehension, but has now been revealed by the power of God through us. So it's something that had been hidden with God, and it doesn't matter how much study you can make. I had a phone call last year from someone who was telling me about their pastor who had un covered this mystery and had studied in in California and been given open key to the library. And well, the mystery that he has uncovered, it goes entirely against the Word of God that we know has been revealed to us. And so it's a mystery that's a big question mark for me, that what are you talking about? But a mystery according to the Word of God, something that has been hidden with God And it could be hidden from since time began, but now has been revealed and given to us. We never find the word mystery in the Old Testament. It's only been found in the New Testament. It's been found 27 times in the New Testament, either as mystery or mysteries. Jesus used the word three times. We read about it in Matthew's Gospel 13.11. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, 11. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, 10. I'll read that one in a moment. It's a time when Jesus switched his teaching style and began to teach by parables because the people that he had been teaching, suddenly they don't believe. And so he begins to hide or to shadow the truths. And the apostles and the disciples asked Jesus, What's going on? What's the switch? And Jesus responded in Luke 8.10. He says, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables. And so God said, I'm going to teach differently now when I'm in public. I'm going to teach in parables, but I'm going to let you know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. In Matthew and Mark's gospel it says the mystery of the kingdom of God. But Jesus referring to an unveiling I'm going to let you guys in on this this mystery so 27 times three times used by Christ in the Gospels one time used by Christ in the book of Revelation it's found two other times that word in the book of Revelation but 22 times Paul uses the word mystery or mysteries in scripture and and there's this unveiling and and he even gives us some definition about the word mystery and Romans 16, 25, and 26, he says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept in secret since the world began. So how long has this mystery been kept in secret? Well, since the world began, but now, verse 26, has been made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for the obedience to faith. Now this mystery has been unveiled, but he still hasn't told us what the mystery is. He's just telling us that it's been kept in secret since the world began. 1 Corinthians 2.7, Paul says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory Verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. So it's been a mystery that it's the wisdom of God. It's been hidden with God, ordained before the ages of our glory. So in the time that they lived, God had ordained this mystery. And He said concerning the Jews and the Romans, the Jews and the Gentiles that put Christ on the cross, if they would have understood what was going on, if they would have understood this hidden mystery, they would have never crucified our Lord. But that's part of the mystery, because if they would have never crucified Jesus, then we would have no Savior and we would have no hope. And so it was necessary for these things to be hidden at that time. In Colossians one twenty-six and twenty-seven, he says, "The mystery which has been hidden from." ages from the generations, but now has been revealed to His saints. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's a revelation to the Gentiles. See, all along in the Old Testament, the Israeli people knew that they were God's chosen people But now the mystery of Christ has been revealed that the Gentiles also, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that we too can come into fellowship with Christ. So the word mystery found 22 times by the writing of Paul, but six times in the epistle of Ephesians. We've already read it in chapter 1, verse 9, and it appears in chapter 3 and verse 3, verses 3, 4, and 9. We'll also read of this mystery in chapter 5, verse 32 and chapter 6, verse 19, that there's this unveiling. And Paul begins in verse 1 by saying, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, he he begins by saying this reason, it takes us back into chapter 2, where last week we learned about the unity that we have in Christ Jesus, but it's not just the unity of the church It's the unity of the body of Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile, that we are one in Christ Jesus. So often in churches today, there are those who, well, they seem to act rather superior to others. And we can do it too. We can be guilty of it sometimes too. That perhaps we have more education perhaps we have more knowledge but it doesn't mean that we have more of god's holy spirit in our life you can be unable to read but have the unfolding of god's spirit in your life and know more than the most educated man in this world i once had the privilege uh, for a few years when we were out at calvary chapel costa mesa we I had the privilege of hearing Dr. W.E. Wildersmith speak, and he was a brilliant scientist, and I read his autobiography that he wrote, it's called uh, Fulfilled Journey, and it's a thick book, thick, and I usually don't grab thick books about someone's life that they wrote about themselves, but I was captivated by this book, and I think so many people didn't read the book that I have two copies because I've been given two copies. By the Calvary Chapel, you go to the pastor's conference. Here, have this book. We want people to read this. And Dr. Wildersmith was in Germany. He was a brilliant scientist. He went against his own people in his 20s. He had to stand before a court of a 1,000 people, his peers, and explain why he would not serve his government because he knew his brilliance that they would have him working on the atomic bomb. And he refused to do so. So he took this tremendous stand and God worked through him, but he was a a creationist. He loved God, um, came to faith in in Jesus Christ, and, and he could, and I think I said this last week, he had a standing debate offer to any atheist, any evolutionist, anybody on any university front who wanted to debate him creation versus evolution, and no one would take him up on it because they knew that they'd, they'd get whipped by Dr. Wilder Smith. But I remember him saying once, and I think I also read it in the book, but I had both his shared testimony of it and also reading in his autobiography of it, that he used to be a professor in the University of Chicago. And, and he said one time in Chicago, he was stepping off a curve in Chicago, He said, one foot off the curb, one foot on the curb. God dumped into his mind a question that he had been asking for years. He said, enough knowledge that I not only answered the question, he said, I could have spent the rest of my life writing books with the knowledge that the Lord gave me in that one moment, in that one step. The Holy Spirit, just a brilliant man. And God said, you don't know anything. Let me show you something. And I can give you this knowledge in one step of your life. And he said, I could spend a lifetime just writing down, rehearsing what the Lord had given to me. So for this reason, that we are one, we're not inferior to the Jews, the Jews are not inferior to the Gentiles, we are believers in Christ Jesus, we are one in the body of Christ, whether we are in high education or no education, we are still one in the body of Christ. And for this reason, Paul says, I, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. You know, in Scripture, we never find Paul saying, I, the prisoner of Rome. Although he would be in prison for around five years at this point, from the time he was arrested, and we read about that arrest in the book of Acts in chapter 21 until he stands before Caesar. Scripture kind of grows silent about that time, but we know that he was in prison in Rome for two years, it took him about two years to get to Rome. By the time he went through all the, the jumps and everything that he had to go through. So for around five years, he'd be in prison. But we never hear Paul saying, I'm a prisoner of Rome, even though he was. And he would refer to his chains. But he said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ here in our text today. In Ephesians 4.1, he says, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. says, I'm an ambassador in chains. Philippians 4.13, he says, my chains are in Christ. And to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.8, he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. I'm the Lord's prisoner. And I think Paul just realized what God had saved him from. I think Paul realized that God had taken a man who, was. he said in his own testimony, I was trying to destroy the church. And God redeemed him. And from then on, he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't help but proclaim. I can't help but teach. I can't help but preach the mystery of Christ to the Gentiles and to the Jews. He always felt called first to the Jews, but we know that his ministry was that of the Gentiles, of ministering to the Gentiles, unveiling this mystery to them. So Paul, in a very desperate place, in a very bad place, he would pray and ask the church to, that he could be released, that he could come out of prison. But he also prayed at one point to the church in Colossi, In Colossians 4.3. He says, pray also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. He was in chains, but he said, it didn't close the door on me. Let the Lord open doors of ministry. And, and in Romans, he tells us that many of those in Caesar's own household, because he was in prison for two years in Rome, a lot of the prison guards and a lot of Caesar's own household, his servants and such, came to faith in Jesus Christ right underneath Caesar's nose. Now, at the end of verse 1, there's a hyphen. Now, the hyphen will take us all the way to verse 13. It's a parenthetical section. It's parentheses being put around this section. Verses 2 through 13. We'll look at verses 2 through 7 today, but it's talking about this mystery, the mystery of Christ and the mystery of the fellowship that we have in Christ Jesus. We'll look at the mystery of the fellowship next week, but this mystery, he begins... And we know that this is a parenthetical section because he says, for this reason in verse 1, and then in verse 14, he comes back to it. For this reason, one of the reasons I wanted to hold off verses 14 through 21 is that this is the second prayer that Paul prays for the church of Ephesus and prays for us. And it's a beautiful prayer for us to look at in a couple of weeks. This prayer that Paul prayed to the church for us. But this mystery, he wants to just tell us about this mystery. In verse 2, he says, "...if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by the revelation he made known to me the mystery as I wrote before, in a few words, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ." So he begins to unfold this mystery. He said, I've already gave it to you in a few words. He's referring back to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, where he says, "...having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. This mystery, not just talking about the church, but all things in heaven and on earth, gathered together as one in Christ Jesus. This mystery that he unfolds before us. He talks about this dispensation of time. In the Bible, a dispensation uh, speaks about a period of time that God has set up for man Some of the theologians have come up with many lists, but one of the lists has given us seven dispensations throughout Scripture, one yet to come, and we are currently in the sixth dispensation, but the seven have been titled like this, the age of innocence, from creation to the fall of man, when God sent Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, the age of conscience, or the dispensation of conscience, the covenant with Adam, until the judgment of the flood with Noah. Human government, uh, beginning with Noah after the flood until the time of Abraham. The time of promise or the dispensation of promise from Abraham until Moses. The dispensation of the law from Moses until the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the dispensation, the time of the Gentiles, the time of grace from the death of Jesus Christ and His resurrection until He comes back for His church. His second coming. And then the time of His kingdom age when God establishes His kingdom, Jesus Christ, the millennial reign of Christ on the earth. We're in that dispensation of the church age right now. It's called the dispensation of grace. God's grace upon us during this time. Paul tells us that this knowledge of this dispensation had been given to him, this dispensation of grace been given to him for us to have this understanding. In Romans 11, 25, he says, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. He's talking about this dispensation of grace. Blindness in part has come to the nation of Israel. And yet today, we have churches today that God isn't working in the nation of Israel any longer. We have churches today that believe in replacement theology, that God has replaced the nation of Israel. But just as Paul interrupts his train of thought in verse 1, and we'll pick it up back in verse 14, and we have this parenthetical section here in chapter 3... God has also interrupted His plan, His work among the nation of Israel with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, His ascension back into heaven. God has interrupted His work with Israel to have this dispensation of grace, a time where all who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, whether Jew or Gentile. And that's where we're at today. And it's not that we're better than the Jews or the Jews are better than us. It's just... Right now, God is working differently in this world. But one day, He's going to rapture His church out. One day, the years of tribulation is going to come upon this whole earth and God is going to begin to move in the nation of Israel just as prophecy has foretold. And I believe God is moving today. Israel is surrounded. And just as it has been threatened to take place, the Palestinians tried to claim statehood. They're asking the UN. They're asking to push Israel back to the pre-67 borders. God is working. He's shaking everything up in our world. But he's doing it for his purposes, to fulfill his divine plan. And we're in that age of grace. And Paul has already referred until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. You know, I've always been taught that one day the last Christian will be saved probably a few preachers have had this kind of mindset but kind of the mindset of every time they would lead someone to the Lord they would take this pause and wonder if this is it are we gonna be raptured now is this the last one is this who you've been waiting for kind of wonder if that person's with us today could be we don't know I mean, that person could be on the other side of the world right now that person could be a baby just being birthed at this moment, that person could be an old man or an old woman near to death, but they're going to claim faith in Jesus Christ. But this dispensation is going to come to a close. It's a dispensation of grace. And one day that dispensation will come to a close. But right now it's been given to us through Paul, through the other apostles, through the prophets. Father, we ask that you would be with us. Thank you, Lord, for this mystery that we are joint heirs that we are part of the body of christ both jew and gentile one before you lord that we are partakers and that we are partakers of the holy spirit and of your grace i pray lord if there's anyone here that does not know you but lord you are giving them that opportunity today i pray that they would take advantage lord that you would move by your spirit in their lives and their hearts that they'd respond to your gospel
1: 2650646 Thank you so much for joining us today and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.